Good morning again, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Maddie, and today I want us to be able to have a conversation about why we are here. We're going to have this conversation because oftentimes we forget why we're here. God knows why we all live in Thief River Falls. He knows why we've come from all these different places. We tend to not understand how it happened, but here we are. And we're going to touch on this because about a year ago, when we first moved into this space, this is what we talked about. For the best part of a month, we talked about remembering why we are here and why we need to know and remember consistently why we're here. Today, we're going to touch on it because, well, if we're honest, church is weird. If we're super, totally, truly honest, church is a weird thing to do, and therefore, the people who go to church are also very weird people. Congratulations. I was going somewhere with that. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't just to insult you all this morning. Um, Church is weird. You are weird. You might know that you're weird, but if you don't know that you're weird, at least other people know that you're weird, and that's okay. But when you do weird things, it is good to try and remind yourself why you're doing it. So this morning, we are going to remind ourselves why we are here this morning, why we gather on a Sunday, why there is effort and money and time put into us being able to be here, why you chose to spend an hour of your day doing this. Now, if you've been around Epiphany Station at all, You might have heard that we believe the best thing you can do with your life is to love God and love people, period. And we believe that because Jesus said in the answer to the question, what's the best thing you can do with your life? To love God and love people. What he exactly said was, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And said it's something second equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. But loving God and loving people is not why we are here. That is what we want to do. That is what we want to challenge each other to do more of. But it is not why we are here. Because we could love God and love people without all of this. People all around the world love God and love people without all of this. So the answer as to why we are here, why you are here this morning, I believe is wrapped up instead in a misconception, something we need to untangle this morning, a misconception of why the church does what the church does, why it exists. Because all too often what we think about church is not actually what God was thinking about church when he started it. There's a man uh, lived a long time ago by the name of Sir Isaac Newton, a very famous mathematician, astronomer, uh, theologian, and of course an Englishman, so you know he's good. And he tried to define natural laws that basically control the way that we exist in this world. One of the things he said was this, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. For every time something happens, there will always be something that is going to happen in response to it. Now, I share that with you, not just to tell you that, hey, some people from England are actually quite clever, so don't take me as kind of like your baseline for that. But this also helps us understand why we can get maybe a little bit backward why the church is here and why we are here. Most believe, and I would say when we talk about church or the church talks about itself, we'd say we are here because we are the foundational piece of what it means to do life well. We would say that this is what it means to, this was what was the plan, this was always the plan, so this is what we do. We would go far to say that this is normal for us to do church. It should be the normal part of society. Some of us might even go so far to say this country was founded on the normalcy of loving God and therefore being the church. And when we hold that view, what happens is everything else that comes from outside 
we feel like we have to defend against. If we were the first thing, if we're the primary action, therefore everything that's coming from the outside, everything we maybe don't like, we must defend. Now you can put any name on it for what we're defending against. People say the church needs to defend itself against the world. Defend against culture, defend against political movement or legal action, defend against social swings, defend against other religions or the next generation's lack of wanting religion at all. But it drives us into this mentality that we're here to defend, and we're going to defend the sanctity and purity of the church, like that's our job. And it's wrong. It's downright wrong. It's not what we're here to do. And I'm going to propose that we are, in fact, here to do something completely different than to try and defend against everything else out there in the world. The truth of the matter is we are not the primary action. We are not normal. 1 John 5, 19 says the world around us is controlled by the evil one. That's normal. That is the normal of the world. Everything else that you see, everything else you don't like, everything you don't like in culture, everything you don't like in another country, everything you don't like in politics, that's the normal stuff. That's the existence in the natural state of the world. I hate to say it, and please, kids, just plug your ears for a second. It's normal to be mean. They already know this, but it's normal for us to be mean. It's normal for us to gossip. It's normal for us to hate. It's normal to be divisive. It's normal to take. It's normal to destroy. It's normal to abuse. And it's very normal to deny the existence of God. And if we don't comprehend the normalcy of everything else, we will assume a very dangerous proposition that it's we that are normal and they that are somehow different. I have conversations with people all the time who, in looking at the way that we live and the way that life's going, say, hey, it looks like it's getting worse. Why, why is it getting worse out there? I don't think it's getting worse out there at all. I think it's just getting more normal. I think it's just trending toward the way that humankind generally tries to trend. To human darkness, us doing evil and bad things, that's a part of who we are. That's a part of what we'll always be. And for the church to understand its purpose, we must believe, we must know that if we were left to our own devices, no law, no direction, we'd tear ourselves apart. For us to understand our purpose, we must understand, we must own that we are not the primary action. We are the opposing reaction to what is normal. Jesus was the opposing reaction to what was wrong with the world. A lack of hope, a complete absorption in darkness. That's what the church now is. The opposing reaction to everything else you will come into contact with. The revolutionary device against darkness. So we're here to love God and love people because it's revolutionary. We're here to go and make disciples because they need it. We're here to do those things because we're plan A. The church is God's plan A. It's why we're told that we have the message called the good news. It's why we're told we carry with us the gospel of light, why we have God's redemptive plan. And for that reason, and that reason alone, the church may never exist as a defensive entity. We must never consider ourselves holding to boundaries that we will not allow bad things to happen in, but outside of that, not our problem. When that happens, we allow evil to happen. We allow darkness to spread. We allow oppression and abuse. We allow sexism and racism and xenophobia. We allow war, hatred, hurt, and fear 
when we don't take on the task and the commission that we have. We're not here to defend against the darkness. We're here to fight that sucker. We're the ones that are supposed to go and do something about it. We're the much-needed revolution that will ever change anything. The most heartbreaking truth about when you think it's getting worse, when things are just getting more normal, it's because in people's lives, it's getting worse. The worst thing that can happen in a person's life is for them to not know the truth. To not know the truth about who they really are, what they were created to be. To not know their worth or their purpose. To not know that they have a piece of them that has value that God adores and would do anything to have come back to him. See, when the church doesn't do that, when we don't think that, we go defensive mode and we allow people to exist without hope. We get all comfy with who we have and we stay comfy by keeping out those we don't want. And we do not challenge. Darkness wins. It gets worse. It gets more normal when we don't oppose. When we don't stand up as the opposing reaction that God and Christ set in play against darkness. Now, it doesn't matter how you're coming in this morning. If you have a relationship with God in which you have belief, unbelief, or you're just undecided, you know people who live without hope. You know people who don't have hope for their family. You know people who don't have hope for the future. You know people who don't have hope for their destiny, their eternity. There are people that you know, we know, that think this is it. This is all there is to life. This is as good as it can be. And that is the ugly, pervasive lie that the church should not allow to exist. We should not be comfortable living knowing people live with that lack of hope. Jesus wasn't comfortable living knowing that people could live with that lack of hope. And those who do live with that lack of hope, they can't live with it either. I want to talk to you this morning, just as we continue, about what it means to be the opposing reaction and how much of an opposing reaction is needed. ARDA, which is the Association for Religious Data, Religious Data Archives, took a census of this beautiful Pennington County in 2010. Found that about 14,000 people live here. And they asked the churches, hey, how many people have church family? How many people would you say are in your churches on a regular basis? And then the churches responded and said, about 9,000. 9,000 out of 14,000. Seems a little on the high side to me. The churches basically said, look, um, the data shows that uh, regularly 2,000 Catholics are in church on a Sunday. 6,000 Lutherans are in church on a Sunday. And the rest of the denominations kind of make up and pick up the slack. But then another organization asked people if they felt like they were part of a church family. And what came back from that is in the normal, on average places in the USA, 20% of people. Not 70%, like the churches say, but 20% of people. Now, even if we just want to assume that some of those people are just ashamed to say that they are in church, or some of those churches did say the truth or whatever, let's say it all comes into the middle, 20, 70, 45. Let's say the current state of play is 45% of Pennington County has a church home has a church family, is regularly being spoken to about what is true and has the protection and the family that God so desperately wants them to have, 45%. I'm going to go with you guys. Would you all stand up for me if you can, please, if you don't mind? But even if you do, do it anyway. Not you guys. No, 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 no. Don't jump the gun. Easy. I've got something else for you. You guys sit down. You're good. This side. Antsy. These ones. Was it boredom? It's boredom, isn't it? This... 
represents 45%. This represents the supposed 6,000 people with a church family. 6,000 people regularly in church. That's you guys. Thank you very much. You can take a seat. Now, the way the percentages work is if there's 45%, it's got to get to 100, so that leaves 55%. You guys are amazing. And 55% is going to be, rep wait for it, is going to be represented by these guys. Would you like to stand up now? Ah, look at that. Keen. Super keen. This would represent 55% of Pennington. This would represent 7,500 people that don't have a church home, a church family. Thank you, guys. You can take a seat. 55% that don't go to church, don't want to go to church, don't think they can go to church, don't believe they'd be welcome in a church. That's why the church is here. That's why we exist. It is for these people. It is for the 7,500 people that do not know their worth and value. It is for the 7,500 people that do not know about the hope of their eternity. The 7,500 that don't know that they can be forgiven for their mistakes. The 7,500 that for them, this is all there is. This is all there is to life. This is why we are here. This is why God set up, built, created, manifested the church and what he's called us to do. Everything we do needs to be for those who aren't here yet. So we will do some stuff. We'll do new things and big things and bold things. We'll do small things and traditional things and old things. Whatever it needs to be to see people brought into the family. We've been given biblical directive as the church as to why we're here. To let us know what our purpose is for gathering together ever. One of my favorite chunks of writing that was ever written in one of my favorite books, in my favorite book, was spoken to a guy called Paul. Originally spoken to Paul to help him understand your purpose in life, Paul. Straight out of the mouth of Jesus, he gives the definitive answer to why church? What are we here to do? In Acts 26, he says this. Jesus says, hey, Paul, get to your feet. For I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you've seen me. Tell them what I will show you in the future. And I'll rescue you from both your people and the Gentiles. Yeah. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to the 55%. I'm sending you to the 7,500 to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. I love that because it tells me what I'm here to do. It tells the church what we're here to do. Those who claim Christianity, we claim church. This is us. We are the appeared to and the appointed. We are tasked and identified to tell people, you can turn your back on darkness. You can turn your back on the destructive and demolishing habits and traits that exist everywhere else. We're the ones that get to offer forgiveness for sins. We get to tell people there is a place where you were born to belong. A family you were born to have. We get to embrace we get to embrace outsiders. We get to embrace them with a message of hope. And according to the stats, we've got thousands of them to embrace. I love all this because it, it was 10 years ago that God gave Epiphany Station the vision for what we're here to do specifically. It's what I believe all churches are here to do, but he gave us something very specific to go after. 
Here's the vision of Epiphany Station. It looks a little bit like this. It says, Epiphany Station has been called by God to embrace thousands of outsiders with the life-transforming hope of Jesus Christ. In its broadest sense, outsiders are anyone who isn't here yet. We are always called to reach those outside of our church walls. Specifically, outsiders are unchurched and dechurched people who don't fit in the mainstream culture for a variety of reasons. We are here to embrace outsiders. The challenge for every single person saying they are church is, are you here to embrace outsiders? We believe that we're supposed to do everything to every end to do that sole and single thing. Now, if you're in here, and honestly this morning, like, hey, that's not me. I'm not the church. I'm just checking it out. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're watching home online. That's all well and good. Here's the one thing you need to know moving forward. This is our promise to you. Our promise to you is we will not stop trying to share the message of hope with you. Our promise is we will not stop trying to make a place that you will feel welcome in. We will not stop trying to embrace you. We will stop at the point where that starts to look like stalking. Like we have a line in the sand. We will embrace, we will not stalk. Let's just make that clear. But we believe that's what we're here to do. That's what we want to do for you, for your loved ones, for your family. Now, if you are sitting here and you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm church. I'm all in this. This should sit on you. This should sit squarely on your shoulders. You are the appeared to. You are the appointed. It is for you to bring them into the family, to share with them the message of hope. There's a couple of ways I want to help you do that this morning. Something that we do strategically at Epiphany. First, I want to challenge you to be here to bring them. To understand that we are here to bring them into the family, whatever that might look like. It might look like different at your church to here, or it might look different just to bring them in relationship with you. But one way we can do that is we can bring them to where we gather. So I'm going to ask you this week, next week, and every week henceforth, to bring people from your life. Bring people from deep in your life, from the fringes of your life, and offer them a chance to be part of God's family. Because what's really cool is, you are the greatest reason anyone will ever check out church. Stats show from churchgrowth.org, it's got nothing to do with what the pastor says, nothing to do with invitations and marketing and anything like that, it's you guys. People will come because they're invited by a friend. So I'm challenging you to be that friend. We're on the eve of going from two experiences to three, as Charlie said. That's to make more room, I would hope, for obvious reasons. Because we want to give you a place to bring people. When you leave today, we're going to hand you a few of these. These are our cards with the new times on for next week. Primarily because we know you're just generally going to struggle to remember, as I will too. This is one for you. Put it on your fridge, put it in your car, put it in your Bible, so that you can remember which one you want to be able to attend. But then there's a couple more. We want you to hand them to people. They are not invites. You are invites. That's just information to help people get there on time. I want to challenge you to be a person who chooses to bring people from their family into, their God's, into God's family. And if we're going to bring them, we're going to serve them. Because we're not here just to bring people to a place. We're here to bring them and then show them how much they're valued. That's what we want to do on a Sunday morning. Try and communicate some level of how God's people feel about all people. How God himself feels about them. So I challenge you to be someone who will serve. To serve them. On a Sunday morning, 
We serve with a message that we truly hope some people understand, just like fair percentages at least. We serve with music that we hope you'll be able to sing along to and understand. We, we serve food and coffee that we hope is edible. We serve you by... <laughs> no coffee for me anymore. Uh, <laughs> we serve you by being able to let your kids go into a safe place like e-babies or e-kids. We serve you with our welcome team that works tirelessly all throughout the morning from the door to the coffee to the check-in to the seating of helping you feel welcome, helping you feel like you belong. These are all things we do to serve here. And they're all different. They're all varied because you're all different. You're all varied. And there's always opportunities to get plugged in. So I want to challenge you to get plugged in. I'm not saying that what we do here on a Sunday morning is perfect. God knows it ain't perfect. This isn't God's answer to church. But I also know that it's working. I also see that hundreds of people can call this their church home because of how God's called us to do it. In the last calendar year, we've seen 19 people give their lives to Christ for the first time. I know it's working. So what we... Dang right. I love to see the ripple effect of us breaking out of Minnesotanness. It's great. <laughs> Clapping in church and stuff. It is working. God's going to tell us how to do it different in the future, how to change it up and how to keep it what he needs it to be. But right now it's working. And I want you, if you believe that it's working, if you believe that it's worked for you, if you believe it will work for others, to sign on with us, to get involved. It's why you were handed a green connection card when you walked in. Because this is possibly the greatest of all times for you to choose to serve them, to serve others. You can take this and you can see that there are places for you to be able to serve. If you wish to, if you want to. I don't mind telling you two of the largest areas in which we have a great opportunity for you to serve people currently. The first is in our newly rebranded and refurnished welcome team. They're going to be working super hard and extra and they are ready for you to come alongside them. They're ready to teach you. They're ready to show you. They're ready to show you what it means to be a welcomer at Epiphany. So you can jot down on here. Yeah, that's for me. A name, a contact detail. Maybe jot hospitality or welcome team. The second area is with our little ones. E-babies and e-kids have been through some massive overhauls in the last few months, and now they're ready for help. The teachers are amazing. They're just ready for assistance. They're ready for help as people to come alongside. If that's for you, jot it down on here, e-babies and e-kids. You can take these and you can drop them in one of the red boxes as you leave today. But this is it. This is what it means for us to do everything we can do for everyone, for every outsider that would want to walk in our doors to welcome them well, to make them feel embraced. As we wrap things up here in a second, I just want to remind you that part of embracing people is giving them the opportunity to be spoken with or to have somebody pray for you. Our prayer team is always gathered in the back corner of worship experiences. And during the last song, they're always up here in front of the stage and after the experience too. If you've got anything you're going through going on, we want to serve you that way with our prayer team. But I believe that we're here to embrace outsiders. I believe you are the appeared to, you are the appointed. You have the message that is the response to the darkness. The thing that is the opposing reaction to normalcy and to reality. The most exciting thing that could ever be known is ours to share. So I'm going to ask you now to stand up. Because Jesus said this to the church. He said, now get to your feet. For I, Jesus, have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness.
And if that's not worth celebrating, if it's not worth singing, if it's not worth acting on, I don't know what is. So let's sing, let's worship, and let's remember why we are here.